Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania with my new friend Bob DeMena of the Traveler's Blueprint podcast. Bob was born in Philly and he loves the local culture. The city is a little bit blue collar, has a diehard sports fans, and everyone is proud of their city. In this episode, Bob and I talk about the history of Independence Hall, exploring Rittenhouse Square, and attending a game at the sports complex. About these three amazing experiences and so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Philly. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Acorns is one of my favorite apps because it helps me invest spare change automatically. Every time I make a purchase with a registered debit or credit card, the transaction is rounded up to the next dollar. Then, Acorn invests these roundups in my personalized portfolio. Plus, when you shop at participating retailers or service providers, you can earn additional found money to invest in your future. Examples of current and previous partners include DoorDash, Liberty Mutual, Macy's, and FedEx. I've been using Acorns for years and love how much money I've saved up from all these small investments. Sign up using my referral link at wetravelthere.com forward slash acorns to start saving today. Hey, Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Today, we're talking about Philadelphia, the, you know, the, the city of brotherly love, and I'm super excited to hear about all your different tips. So like, what's your connection to the city? I was born in Philadelphia, so fate brought me into the city of Philadelphia, I guess you could say. I was born in the city in 1987, and I've lived there and then in New Jersey back and forth a few times throughout my life. Yeah, I've been to Philly a few times and I've had such a great time there. And so I'm really excited about hearing all your different tips. What's the thing, one of the things you love most about the city? I'm a history guy. I I enjoy history. And I think Philadelphia has some of the best history in the entire United States. For someone who may not know this, the Declaration of Independence was signed in Philadelphia. So it has a profound, continues to have a profound impact on the United States of America. It's the birthplace. So if you are interested in American history specifically, but even maybe uh, a little bit of European history, um, I think it's a great location to learn. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. Especially, I think people don't realize or maybe have forgotten their, their, their civics lessons that Philly was like actually where the first white house was. I mean, where the, the, the center of our government was actually in Philadelphia before it moved to DC. Right. Correct. Yeah. And there, there's a deep history. There's a deep connection to the revolutionary war. Uh, And so, some people don't notice British troops actually occupied Philly at one point. Uh, then they moved north to New York City, which allowed the Americans to take back the city of Philadelphia. George Washington lived in Philadelphia at one point. Remnants of his house still actually exist recently. And by recently, I mean several years ago, maybe two, three years ago. They were excavating a portion of Old City Philadelphia, which is the historic area of the city. And upon excavation for what they, I believe they were building a parking garage, they found a basement foundation. And what they later learned was obviously you stop the dig, you bring in the archaeologist. And what they found was that this basement was the slave quarters of George Washington's house. So now you can visit this area and they have glass set up so you can look down into the basement from ground level. But it just goes to show that the history there and how much we may not know that's still underground. I think if, if they do start to improve the city in that specific neighborhood, and again, that's old city neighborhood, they may find even more. 
No, that's so amazing. I mean, I love going to Europe because uh, of all the history they have there, but, but we forget that how much history is actually on the, especially on the East Coast, how much history is there and buried and that we've heard, totally forgotten. Yeah, I know this goes a little bit outside of the scope of our podcast, but I think if, you, if you're if you into American history, visiting, starting in Boston, as north as Boston and going down to Virginia is, is, is should be on your agenda. For sure. So right now we're recording this in, in January and obviously it's a little chilly and it gets a little cold and snowy. Uh, but what's the weather like throughout the year in, in Philly? It fluctuates uh, with the seasons. So you have the cold winters. So you have a relatively cool winter up until about December. Once December, January, February hit, it gets pretty cold. And that's when the snow comes around. And then by March and April, it starts to warm back up. Our summers are hot. They get into the 90s. So you do have, you know, that typical East Coast metro area, uh, tri-state area fluctuations with the seasons. All right. So if, if people are planning their trip, what time of year do you think they should come? That's a hard question. So the, I think there's a lot the city can offer to individuals that prefer each season. So I think the the question would be to the individual, what season do you enjoy traveling? And then finding things that fit during that time frame. Because I do believe that regardless of when you go, you can find something to do and you'll have a great experience. For sure. And the good thing is like the in cities like Philly, where they're used to the cold, they're used to the snow, you know, in Nashville, it snowed here a couple of days ago and the entire city shut down. You know, <laughs> right. whereas like up there, you know, like you can travel anytime. And even if there's snow, even if there's like a blizzard going on, the city's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're cool. We're just we're doing our things. You dig your spot out and you move on. One of the <laughs> a little side tangent, one of the funny things about Philadelphia, there's this ongoing debate on whether or not if you shovel out your parking spot, is that your parking spot now? Do you have rights to come back home from work that day? And should your spot be remaining there because you spend so much time shoveling out? And there's people on both sides of this debate, but it's just the funny aspect. Of yeah, I can could, I could totally see that, man. Like shoveling snow is like no joke. I mean, that, that takes a lot of work. It does. It does. I, I told my. I, felt, I saw an article the other day that said if you're over 45, uh, you should not be so, shoveling snow anymore. And so I showed the article to my wife. I said, "Look, if you ever move to where there's snow, it's all on you now." Like, <laughs> I'm 46. I'm not shoveling snow anymore. You know, it's for my health, baby. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> solid point. <laughs> yeah, we actually one of the times we came to Philly it was uh, actually a couple both times we went to Philly. Was in, in the wintertime. Uh, one time was around like uh, between Christmas and, and New Year's. And we had a great time walking around. Obviously, you bring your jacket, bring your gloves and everything like that. But the weather was actually not too bad. Uh, and then the other time we came back, we were there for the Winter Classic over at the over at the Philly Stadium. We actually, our, our son was, I think he was around one at the time. Yeah, he was ready to walk, walk and everything like that. So he wanted to move around, which was not conducive to that environment. But uh, we had one of those little like hand warmers and we put that down his shirt to try to keep him warm and everything. And uh, yeah, we had to leave partway through the game because my wife thought we were going to kill our child because it was so cold. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's, we came from California, you know, we're not used to the, we're not used to that type of cold weather. Right. Well, that's what hardens the East Coast, right? It's the it's that weather. It's that those tough winters that hardens these you know, Philadelphians, the New Yorkers, the Bostonians. It's it's why we have the attitude we do. That's why you throw stuff at Santa. You yeah, know, at the, at I was wondering the, if that was going to come up today. Yeah, yeah. But it's, to, to go back to what there is to do, the the fall and winter in Philadelphia, the city does set itself up for activities during the fall and winter. You have ice skating in Center City, you have a Christmas village, and you have shops just as you would in other major cities that sort of cater to the holiday 
atmosphere and holiday experience. So it is a beautiful place to visit, especially if you want to experience a different city than, let's say, New York, where you're going to be, where it sort of gets overwhelmed with tourists. You can go to Philadelphia, get a lighter experience, but similar. And, and in, my, in my opinion, it could be better because of that. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, like, obviously, I've been to both. And I like you know smaller cities like Philly, even though it's a big city, but it's, it's it has that smaller feel because of all that history and like the sometimes the, the really narrow roads, and like you can just walk everywhere instead of you know having to hop on the subway or, or catch a cab over in like New York. Right. It's it has a neighborhood feel to it. So, what are some of the other events that happen throughout the year in Philly? Well, the the major events that the Philadelphians really look forward to is pretty much every time that there's any sporting event at all on TV. <laughs> One of the the largest events is the concert known as the Live Eight concert in Philadelphia. It takes it's been coming um to the city since 1985. Oh wow! Yeah, it's a huge concert, and and it's right in the area of the art museum. It's called the Fairmount neighborhood. It actually takes place on the steps of the art museum and performers like uh, one of the most recent ones that I can remember was Beyonce performing and Jay-Z performing over the crowds of people. But the way they set it up is that they have multiple performers from multiple genres of music. And so it's this huge concert that uh, a lot of people enjoy. I've only been to it one time and, and had a good time. I lived in that neighborhood. So it was pretty convenient to just essentially walk outside my door and be at this concert. And, and that takes place in July. Nice. All right. Yeah. So, you know, if like you and I both have kids and you're out of school, that's a good time to go and, and check that out. Now, obviously there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot to do, a lot of different attractions, especially on the historical side and everything else. Are there certain like tips or websites that you have uh, where if we want to like figure out how to skip the line or like get cheap tickets to some of these admissions to some of these different attractions, how do we get into some of those either cheaper or faster? So, I prefer a website called Tours by Locals. I prefer this for my own travels, but it is a site that essentially sets people up with local guides. I have a guide that I use and that I've talked to a ton. He became a friend of mine. If you want me to give his information, I can, but that's a great website. I think it's a great tool because you can go to that website and you can look at the individual and you can look at the types of trips they offer, or I'm sorry, not trips, the tours they offer. And you can sift through essentially the the personality of the guide by looking at the types of tours that they offer, whether they're historical or food focused. So I think it's a great tool. And then again, you always have the aspect of that individual being from the city. Well, that's so cool. What's, what's your buddy's name? I'll, I'll be sure to link to it in the show notes. So he, his name is Keschler Thibert, and he's with a company called Lay Kennard Tourism. That's his own travel company, but he's also on the website Tours by Locals. What makes him a great guide is that he offers the standard food tours so you can get the cheese steak experience, which everybody seems to want. And you can then get uh, different culinary experiences because Philadelphia does have a great food aspect to it. Uh, but he's also deeply involved in these historical tours and oftentimes will sidestep the main historical plot line, you know, the, the founding fathers, the declaration of independence, and you'll get aspects of, of African-American history, the revolutionary war, it gives you this alternative historical context to what, what you already probably know or what most people might already know going to the city. Uh, right on. That's awesome. You mentioned the, like, the cheesesteaks. Obviously, you know, a lot of people know about like Pat's and Gino's and things like that, right? Those are like the two that most people think about when they go. But I know like when I went to, to Philly, one of the locals told me to go to Jim's Steaks. Do you have a favorite 
Philly cheesesteak place? So my favorite cheesesteak place is Steve's Prince of Steaks. They are located in Center City. However, I believe they may be temporarily closed due to COVID-19. There is another one north of the city. The key to finding the perfect cheesesteak in Philadelphia is by first identifying the way you like your meat. Now, there's two ways cheesesteaks are made in Philadelphia. They either chop the meat into small pieces or they slice the meat into layers and they layer it onto the bread. Now, if you go to Pat's and Gino's, those are the two main cheesesteak locations in the city, or at least they're the big tourist attractions. You have Gino's, which slices the meat, and Pat's, which chops the meat. So there's a preference there. And... I think the first step for anybody coming to the city is identifying which you prefer because that's, and and it's fun. It's fun to try to figure that out and try both and see which way you like your cheesesteak to be made. I grew up a big fan of Gino's and later in life decided to convert to Pat's. One day I (laughs) sat down with both and I ate both together and I said, you know what? I I, I think I'm going to go with Pat's now. And I now I'm a big chopped steak guy. So that's sort of the, a little, that's a little bit of insight into the cheesesteak world. But also, like, besides, like, the way they do the meat, isn't there a difference between the two uh, as far as, like, the style of cheese? Well, you have options with your cheese. So the Philly standard, let's call it, is whiz. So when you walk up to the window, you say whiz, and then you have the option to say with or without. And if you say with or without, that implies whether or not you're going to have onions on your steak. So what they like you to do, and it's very fast-paced, you get up to the window, you say whiz with or whiz without, and then you move on and they make your steak. You do have options for other cheeses, though. You can ask for American and you can ask for provolone. But if you want the true Philadelphia cheese steak experience, it's always with the cheese whiz. And you can get that at either location. For whatever reason, I thought that like one specialized in like one different style of cheeses. I didn't realize it was like the ste- the steak cut was like the big the big difference there. Yeah, and and you know I, I don't even think that you have to go to Gino's or Pat's to get a cheesesteak. Again, just find the type that you like. Pizza shops throughout the city are all competing for the best cheesesteak, so it, it's harder to find a bad cheesesteak in Philly than it is a good one. Right on, that makes a lot of sense. So we didn't talk about how to get there. Obviously, if we're, we're coming to Philly, me coming from either California or Nashville, I'd be flying in. Also, I guess trains are a big thing in the Northeast there as well. If we go into Philly, obviously we're going to fly into the major airport there or take the train. And then from there, how do we get actually into the city and, and how do we get around? So the American Airlines is the has a hub in Philadelphia. So American Airlines is the easiest airline to fly into the city of Philadelphia. There should be a decent amount of direct flights. And once you're in the airport, you can take the train into the city, but it's also very easy to take a cab. In my experience, Philly is more of a cab city than a public transit city. They do have a decent train system and bus system. And I know if you live in the city and you're working in the city, then you may be more likely to take the bus to work. My wife did when we lived there for years. But anytime I've ever gone out in the city, went out to dinner, went out to a sports sporting event, it's usually a cab and now Uber that most people, I believe, take around the city. And you need to keep in mind that you don't have the population that you have of New York, or I guess you do have a more bigger population than DC, but the roads don't get as crowded. It doesn't take as long to get across the city as someone would experience in New York. So my recommendation is to just take a cab, assuming that you have the budget for it, but I find it to be pretty easy, very convenient, and a great way to experience the city by driving across it. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, sometimes when you're on a trip, you got extra time, you can, you can wait for the train, you can 
walk to the different train stations and everything, everything else like that. But if you're like what I used to do when I worked in the corporate world, you're doing like a long weekend trip, every minute counts, right? And sometimes you're willing to pay a little bit extra to shave off you know, 15, 20 minutes of, of time. And uh, it's definitely a worthwhile expense. So once you're into the city and, and you're getting around, what part of the city should you like book a hotel or Airbnb in? There are a lot of areas that you could enjoy Philadelphia, but there are four that I really like. And so that's why I'll share them. <laughs> so you, you have the old city area, which I mentioned earlier. That's the historic district. That is where you can see the the Liberty Bell. You can see where they signed the Declaration of Independence. You can see Betsy Ross's house, George Washington, the foundation of George Washington's house, and so on. Cobblestone streets, beautiful architecture, really fun neighborhood, good restaurants, and good beer. There is the Fairmount area, which is also known, I guess, maybe as the art museum area. It's a nice, lively neighborhood with really good access to Fairmount Park that sits directly behind the Philadelphia Art Museum. Fairmount Park is the largest urban park in the United States, and it's beautiful. I lived in this neighborhood for a few years. I had a big dog that I would have to run and exercise because I lived in a tiny apartment. So I spent (laughs) a lot of time running through Fairmount Park, running up and down the art museum steps. And so I think that that's a great area, especially in the summer months. I'd say because you're going to spend time outdoors in Fairmount Park and at the art museum steps, it's great for summer months. It's beautiful there. So definitely put that on your list. And for people that aren't familiar, like the art, the art museum steps, those are the the rocky steps that everybody kind of knows from the movie. <laughs> correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, I should have called them the rocky steps. <laughs> I, I joke with people sometimes that that's their real name. The art museum steps is like is like the alias. <laughs> so yeah, they have the, the statue of Rocky at the base of the art museum steps, and they have this beautiful oval where they have additional statues. And then again, if you go behind the art museum, you have what's called Boathouse Row. It's where several colleges in the area hold their rowing boats, but they're always beautiful lights. If you ever watch the show, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, there's a part of the introduction of the show where you have houses with lights, essentially Christmas lights around them. That's Boathouse Row. So it is, it's a beautiful pocket of the city. And then uh, two more areas, Rittenhouse is sort of the center city shopping district, very good restaurants, very good uh, shopping areas. It's the expensive area. And then and then lastly, one thing that I think is unique to Philly that I really love is that all of our stadiums are located next to each other. So we have a sports complex area and we have the Eagle Stadium, the Philly Stadium, the Flyers Stadium, the Sixers and Flyers Share Stadium, and then um, this massive bar. So we have all the stadiums in one location and then this massive, massive bar known as Xfinity Live. I believe there's only one one additional Xfinity Live in the United States, and it's in Texas. So within this bar, you have maybe a dozen smaller bars. <laughs> you have a uh, place with a mechanical bull. Uh, you have a wine bar. You have a restaurant. You have a place for Flyers games that's all decked out with hockey-themed stuff. And then you have this massive 37-foot TV. So that place, if you're into sports, is a cultural experience in and of itself. So I think that if just like it's it's a cool idea to attend a soccer game in England, I think it's probably a pretty cool idea to maybe attend a sporting event in Philadelphia. Yeah, that's so awesome. I mean, one of the one of the times that I went there, we actually hit up the Flyers game in the afternoon, a Sixers game that evening, and then the Eagles game, I think it was either on Sunday or Monday night. 
So it was like a total sports weekend. It was, it was so much fun. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. And you know, we're a very passionate city with our sports. And so I think that that just adds to the cultural experience, whether you're a sports fan or not, just enjoying something sort of larger than yourself in a new city with a new culture. It's exciting. That is so cool. Where before we run out of time, let's talk about a couple of the different other restaurants you might recommend. What like what's a good place for breakfast in, in Philly? So there is a restaurant called Green Eggs Cafe. There are three of them in the city of Philadelphia, and they're all very brunch oriented. And I don't know how to describe this without saying it's has that hipster esque vibe. <laughs> where there's special attention, like or, or maybe like artisan. How about that? Artisan. <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll, I'll call it like an artisan feel where you have these cool menu items, cannoli, French toast, and things like that. And so I do think that those are fun places to get breakfast or brunch. Just be conscious that the lines at these places tend to get very long. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, especially if the, sometimes if the food's really good, you know, you know you're going to be waiting in line and it's going to be worth the wait. And you just got to suck it up and, and just deal with it. You calculate it into your travel time. That's that's <laughs> the sort of the way I look at it. You know, you have to, the, the time traveling or the time waiting is part of the travel experience. You go, go with it with that perspective and you won't be as mad when you're sitting in line. And then you, you can always be planning out like what your next activities are after you finish the food. Obviously, you know, cheesesteaks, those are definitely going to be on the menu when we're there. What are some of the other like types of food we should we should try or experience while we're there in, in the city? In my personal opinion, so I am an Italian from Philadelphia. My whole family migrated to Philadelphia from Italy. Uh, I would say go with Italian food. I think that there is still a strong Italian presence in Philadelphia. But an area that I would recommend people go to specifically is it's called the East Pashunk neighborhood or Pashunk neighborhood. And I should say the neighborhood's names tend to change. Even in my short lifetime, like, they sort of shift. But there's this restaurant in East Pashunk called Ralph's Italian Restaurant. And it is the United States of America's oldest Italian restaurant. It's a great location to, to try some of the pasta dishes that I think make Italian food great. And then just to, to add on to that, once you leave the restaurant, you're in a beautiful, lively neighborhood. So if you do have dinner there, you can then walk up and down the streets. There will be tons of people out and about going in and out of different bars, all varying in theme. And so I think the East Pashunk neighborhood is a great spot for dinner. And then for nightlife, that is an alternative to maybe the Rittenhouse area or the Fairmount area. Okay. Are there certain like the desserts or like sweet treats that are kind of unique to Philly or that's like a, like a Philly staple? So there is a bakery that my parents um, have been going to for a very long time. It's called Termini Brothers Bakery in Philadelphia. If you are into desserts, find a Termini Bros. There's one in South Philadelphia, one in East Pashunk, and then one in Center City, Philadelphia. They have the best cannolis that have ever been made in the history of cannolis. And that's a fact. So, <laughs> so definitely make sure that if you, if you are into desserts, get a cannoli uh, at one of those locations. My recommendation is to get the cheese cannoli. So that's ricotta cheese with chocolate chips in it. It is by far the best cannoli I've ever had. Oh, wow. That's, that sounds uh, really decadent. Definitely got to check that out sometime whenever I come up there. Absolutely. Well, Bob, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips for Philly. I've been to Philly so many different times and I learned so much and I now got all these new things to do whenever I go out there. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Philly, where should they go and what should they eat? 
If you had the opportunity for one meal in the city of Philadelphia, I would go to what is called the Reading Terminal Market. So the Reading Terminal Market is essentially similar to what they have in Seattle. What is that? That starts with a P. Pike's Place Market. So Pike's Place Market. So it's a similar similar to Pike's Place Market where you have this large building with tons of different vendors. And it's everything from grocers, they're selling meats, deli meats, but then you also can get different desserts and meals. One thing that I would get, and you can't go wrong in this place, it's all just authentic Philly food and it's phenomenal. But one thing that I would get if I were to go in there and only could get one meal would be a corned beef sandwich. It's something that they do really well in there. Or another thing to get in Philadelphia in a phenomenal meal is a roast pork with sharp provolone and broccoli rabe. That's a sandwich that sort of flies under the radar in Philadelphia that sort of is second to the cheesesteak. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but places like Tony Luke's, which is a famous cheesesteak restaurant in Philadelphia, actually, you know, their better sandwich, in my opinion, would be this roast pork sandwich with a layer of provolone cheese and the broccoli rabe. It's phenomenal, and it is a Philly flagship sandwich, too. Oh, that sounds amazing. Uh, my wife is all about like kind of sampling and trying a bunch of different things. So uh, she would absolutely love it there. Now, like you said, you lived in Philly, you kind of on and off for many, many years. What's one of your most memorable stories of being there? Well, one of my most memorable experiences was when the Phillies won the World Series back in, in 2018. That was, I'm sorry, 2008. Eagles won in 2018. So back in 2008, the Phillies won the World Series. It was the first championship that Philadelphia had won in my lifetime. And so it was it was such an overwhelmingly fun and positive and chaotic. It, it was just amazing. You know, you had so many people, not only from Philadelphia, but South New Jersey, all the Philadelphia suburbs flood this city in celebration. There was the parade. People were drinking on the streets, dancing on the streets. It was phenomenal. And it was such a cool thing to experience. Very jealous of other cities that have now experienced this, you know, like Pittsburgh or, or, or Boston over and over again. But I think that's what made it so special to Philadelphians was that it was so unique and it was our first one. And so that, that was just such a great, great time. I'll never forget it. Yeah, that's so awesome. I mean, being in LA, you know, we have uh, the Lakers, they win the championships on a regular basis and everything, everything else, yeah. right? You know, and you, you kind of feel bad sometimes for cities that they go through these long droughts of not winning anything. And But then when they actually do win the championship, it's like the dam bursts and, you know, just all this emotion and all this excitement just pours out, which I think is like, in some ways, like better than you kind of get numb to it if you win it too often. Exactly. And one of the great things about city or about the city of Philadelphia is that the attendance for these sports teams ranks among the best in the nation. So you have teams that essentially aren't winning, but incredibly loyal fans. And the, the Philadelphia Flyers are a great example of that. They past five years, you know, pre-COVID, they were maxing out their stadium occupancy. That team has not won a championship since 1976. Oh, wow. Yeah, but you still have people buying every seat. The seats are still expensive, and it just—it's just a great testament. And then when they, the team finally wins, it is—it's like a dam bursting, you know, a volcano exploding. It's awesome. It's just <laughs> mayhem in the best way possible. So, yeah, that's—I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully a Flyers win. The Eagles won in 2018. I did go to that parade as well, 
And so, yeah, some of the best times. That's good times. Well, speaking of uh, good times and happy memories, where's the happiest happy hour in Philly? There are a few places I would go for happy hour. So in the summer months, there's this place called Independence Beer Garden. It is in the old city area of Philadelphia. It's located at 100 South Independence Mall. And the reason I'm giving the address is because it's not actually in a building. Philadelphia has this cool thing that happens in the summer and winter, um, summer and spring months where empty areas will suddenly become beer gardens. So you have empty lots throughout the city that suddenly have stands with beer and young people drinking. But Independence Beer Garden is a really unique one because it's essentially at the entranceway to two office buildings. So it's normally uh, an area for people to go in and out of their work becomes this beer garden in the summer (laughs) with different types of games. You have ping pong and you have cornhole, you have large Jenga and things like that. Fantastic, fantastic time. And then another thing that is unique to the city of Philadelphia during the summer, this happens only on Wednesdays, Wednesday evenings between June 5th and August 28th. So every Wednesday evening throughout the summer, I think it's like 85 bars will all cooperate in what's called SIPs. And what SIPs is, it's $4 beers, $5 wines, and $6 cocktails with half-priced appetizers from 5 to 7 o'clock. And so every Wednesday after work, people would get off work, young professionals, and flood all of these bars that all have the same deals together. And then you can sort of bounce around and try different places. Some of them are a little bit higher-end restaurants that you might not go to for dinner normally, but now you get to experience some of their cocktails and some of their appetizers. So it's a really fun thing that they do in the city. I think it was done to sort of increase people drinking in the city during the summer because a lot of people sometimes flock to the Jersey Shore. But it's a lot of fun there. It's something that when I lived there and where I was working there and everything was was awesome. I haven't done it in, in a few years now that I'm older with kids, you know, but <laughs> it is something that I, I would highly recommend if you're there on a weekday. That sounds so awesome. Right, uh, well, one of the things I always do whenever I'm drinking uh, and checking out new cities is uh, looking for the best pizza in, in town. So where's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Philly? So have you heard of Lorenzo's? No. What's that? No. So Lorenzo's creates 20 inch pies. It's worth a Google search. If you can Google these, I'm sorry, slices. So if you can Google these slices, they are massive. There are these huge slices of pizza. I don't know if they're the best pizza in Philadelphia, but the novelty (laughs) aspect, getting handed this massive slice, which essentially looks like three slices put together, is pretty cool. So I think if you're in Philadelphia, that mixed with you know that the experience is is worth getting this slice there. Well, oh, that sounds so much fun, and I'm willing to tackle it. Let's see what happens. Uh, maybe I have to get one, maybe even two. I'll come with you. Let me know. <laughs> that sounds so good. Well, you know, we haven't talked about your podcast yet. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I know just from your podcast and your personal travels, I know you have a lot of uh, experience traveling. So, what's one of your best travel tips? One of my best travel tips, and I think this goes for Philadelphia and pretty much anywhere. Uh, I think this is just a general travel tip, but works really well with Philadelphia, I guess I should say, is to make sure you brush up on your history. So for Philadelphia, it would be American American history. For Rome, obviously, it would be Roman history and so on and so on. But what this does is if you have a foundation of the historical aspect of the city, the architecture, when you go there, it just adds context to your experiences. So instead of standing in front of the first U.S. Mint or where the Declaration of Independence was signed or even the Liberty Bell and not really having the full picture, you now 
increased your experience. You could stand there in front of the Liberty Bell and sort of play out its history and look at it. I, it just it just gives you a better picture of what you're experiencing, and I think it enhances and makes it more meaningful. You add emotion to it, so that's my travel tip. That's probably one of my favorite travel tips. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it also, like you said, just getting to know some of the local history of the city. Maybe you're going to find attractions that you wouldn't have otherwise thought of to go visit. Like you said, you know that that now there's like that the foundation of the the slave head, the slave quarters for Washington, right? Most people wouldn't even have known that it was there, but if you did a little bit of, of research for the city you know about those type of like almost like hidden attractions that uh kind of expand your overall experience when you visit right agreed all right well bob again i appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips can you tell the audience a little bit about more about who you are and what you do yeah so my name is bob demena uh, and i host the travel podcast called the traveler's blueprint uh, i guess a little bit different than than what you're doing here with these location specific conversations, we sort of went towards adventure conversations. We talked to a lot of adventurers, travel authors, people who have done things like hiked across Madagascar without any support or walked the entire length of the Yangtze River in China. Uh, We've talked to a guy who was blind at 14 and he climbed Everest and then went on to kayak the entire Colorado River. (laughs) So we really like these conversations where people push themselves to the limits. We like to understand the origin story, how they came to get to that point, and then sort of how they their mindset evolved pre and then post experience. That's sort of what we've kind of dug our heels into. But ultimately, to be honest with you, if you're interesting and we like you, we, we tend to have you on the show as long as it's related <laughs> to travel. <laughs> That's so awesome. Right? On. Uh, how often do your shows come out? So we do them weekly. We have every Monday a new show comes out. Our, our first of the month tends to be a news related. So it'll just be my partner, my co-host Elliot and I, where we discuss the previous month's travel news. And then the remaining Mondays will be with individual guests. Awesome. And uh, I assume it's uh, available on all the different podcast platforms. Correct. Awesome. So if anybody has questions about your podcast or about Philly, what's the best way for somebody to reach you on social media? We use Instagram the most. So if you send us a message on Instagram, we can get back to you. You can also email us at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com. And we're also, we use Facebook and Twitter, but to be honest, we're not huge social media people. We're more travelers. So the email or maybe a DM in Instagram is the best way. All right. So we're going to slide into those DMs and ask you some questions. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, Bob, again, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Thank you so much for having me. What an awesome conversation with Bob. I love how Philly has so many significant attractions from our American history. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Philly. We want to say thank you to Acorns for being today's affiliate partner. With Acorns, you can invest spare change automatically on every purchase that you make. Plus, you can earn found money by shopping at participating retailers. This is a great way to easily build up your travel fund. For a limited time, when you sign up at wetravelthere.com forward slash Acorns, we'll both earn $5. Join us next time as we head to Bacalar, Mexico to speak with my good friend Katrina Julia of FitLifeCreation.com. In this episode, Katrina and I talk about paddleboarding on Bacalar Lagoon, exploring the Pirates Channel, and swimming in Cenote Negro. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations. 